Jake, I'm getting worried. My house hunt's taking longer than expected. We've made so many offers and keep losing out. You could really use the JAG Advantage. What's the JAG Advantage? The Jim Allen Group, number one real estate team in the state since 1996 with the largest inventory of home sites in the Triangle, 11,000. And they rep more than 65 communities. The Jim Allen Group? Oh, I get it. The JAG Advantage. Score with the Jim Allen Group at thejagadvantage.com. Equal housing opportunity. Shoutouts to Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Of course, the home of the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. Yes. They are back in the College World Series for the first time since 1955. And the last time they were there, they were actually still in Wake Forest. Imagine. So this is the this is a first for Winston-Salem oh, to wow. celebrate. You know what I'm yes. saying? Joining us on the line right now in the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline, he's the publisher of Deacon Digest. My guy, Les Johns. Les, uh, Wake Forest playing LSU in a huge game tonight. Uh, they have to win this or they'll go to the loser's bracket and have to win three straight. Uh, if Wake Forest is unfortunate and does not beat LSU tonight, what do you think their chances are with covering the team how you've been? Do you think they can win that three straight to try to move on? Is less with us. Now the loser's bracket in three straight, they have the, they have the pitching talent and the pitching depth to kind of rebound from that. But that's such a tougher road. It'd be much, much easier just to win today. And then all you got to do is win one out of the next two and you're moving on to the finals of the College World Series. It's such a massive advantage to win this first game tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Just take the, take the uh, Tigers out while you have the chance. Absolutely. Les, join us right now in the Houston Automotive Group Hotline. I'm Chris Lee. That's Dennis Jamel Cox over there. Uh, Les, we, we saw a lot about uh, Rhett Louder Day, the big-time picture for uh, Wake Forest on uh, Saturday. Of course, uh, he, he did a, an amazing job. Who else is in – you talked about that pitching depth. Who else is um, you know, in their rotation, and who might we see tonight? Uh, and, and do you think that they can play up to the level that Rhett played uh, on Saturday? Yeah, pitching tonight will be Josh Hartle uh, for the Demon Deacons. He's had a remarkable sophomore season. Developed a cutter late last year that really has advanced his game. And You know, he spent a lot of time in the pitching lab, you know, the much ballyhooed mm-hmm. uh, toy that the Demon Deacons have to work on their pitching. Um, and, you know, he's he's been the, the Saturday night starter through the season and someone that they've really come to count on. Uh, basically everybody in the bullpen will be available if needed. Uh, the only exception of that would probably be Seth Keener, uh, who had 13 strikeouts and won the games earlier this earlier this uh, in the playoffs. Uh, but aside from Seth Keener, I mean everybody will be on the board, and they've got a lot of talent and depth that, in the pitching that you know should serve them well. Les Johns, Demon Deacon Digest, joining us here in the Houston Automotive Group Hotline. We saw in their win the other day against Stanford. They were down two to one going mm. into the bottom of the eighth inning. They got a pair of runs in the bottom of the eighth. That's got to be a lot of uh, kind of comforting, I guess you could say, for the fact that there's a lot of pressure on being the number one ranked team in the country, being the number one ranked team in this tournament, being down and still coming through in that pressure situation. It's really the first time they had faced a deficit in the entire NCAA tournament. They led, yeah. you know, from start yeah. to finish. You know, they had kind of a close encounter at home against Alabama, with which they come out on top five to four, but they still never trailed in that game. It was the first time the entire in the entire uh, NCAA tournament which they faced a deficit, and they were down two to one, like basically the entire game, like you said. 
really the, the turning point in that probably was the weather delay. I'm not going to say rain delay because it never actually rained. Uh, but, you know, there was a lightning strike within like eight miles or whatever. So they kind of shut things down here in Omaha for it turned out to be 90 minutes. And that gave the gave the Deacons a chance to kind of reset mentally. They uh, they kind of jammed out to some music in, in the locker room, played some games, got loose, had a brief meeting about their approach. And then when they came out, uh, they were kind of a new team, put together a, a series of solid at-bats. And Danny Corona got the big uh, two-run uh, two single up the middle uh, to give them the lead in the bottom of the eighth. And they turned the ball over to their closer, Cam Manassi, to kind of shut the door in the ninth. And, and escape with the win in a game in which they trailed all but like last 10 minutes of the night. Yeah, Les, you, you know this team front and back, and, of course, Tom Walter, uh, amazing coach. And, and you mentioned it, this is, that was the first time they trailed so far in the NCAA tournament. But they've also shown uh, that they can win in close games. They could also win in blowouts. Sometimes some teams, <laughs> like Duke, like Duke is, is a lot better if they can get 12 runs and, and maybe hold you to, like, three or four. That's where Duke's sweet spot is. Um, but Wake Forest has shown different ways uh, in how to win. Do you think that this is something that Tom Walter is using to motivate his team, to show them, like, hey, it doesn't matter what the game is going, like, we can win this, and we've shown we've won this in the, in the past? Yeah, I think that's one of the great things about this Wake Forest team is that they can beat you in a variety of ways. You know, like, they won that one-run game against Alabama 5-4. to four. And then they came out the next game and, and blasted nine home runs and kind of bludgeoned them 22 to five. And, you know, it's kind of one of those things that tonight I'm expecting some offensive fireworks. I think the Deeks are going to put some runs on the board. LSU doesn't have a very deep and deep uh, pool of pitchers. You know, Paul Skeens is clearly, you know, one of the top two or three pitchers in all of college baseball with an ungodly 10 to one strikeout to walk ratio. But, you know, he Oof. pitched on Saturday against Tennessee you know, he's not going to be on the board tonight for the, for the Tigers. And beyond schemes, it's not, it's not at the same level as a big drop-off. So, I think the Deeks have put some runs on the board. If, the, if, if Wake Forest can get good, a good start from Josh Hartle, I like their chances tonight to, to kind of uh, put a hurt on the Tigers. Les, really quick before we let you go, I know you're a wrestling fan, but you're busy out there in Omaha covering mm-hmm. this team. Did you get a chance to watch AW Collision on Saturday? And if so, did you? I did you must enjoy? admit that I checked out a Collision, fast forwarding through a couple of segments. <laughs> you know, late uh, late Saturday evening into the early morning, the CM Punk promo was definitely outstanding. A buddy Matthews and Andrade put on an incredible yes. match, yes. and the trios match to wrap things up was a lot of fun as well. It was a pretty good night of wrestling. I enjoyed it. All right, so maybe one day we have to get you on to talk wrestling on a segment at some point. <laughs> oh, I'd love to. I'd love to do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Les John's joining us right now. Thank you so much. Have fun out there uh, in uh, Omaha. Uh, glad to, glad to be out here. Thanks for having me on. And the balls are making a making a run at Stanford right now. They scored a couple on the top of the fifth, and this game is tightening up right in front of us. Well, that's that's who potentially down the line Wake Forest to play. Les Johns, Heat's Automotive Group Hotline. Thanks for your time, good sir. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Best of the Drive podcast. I'm Tim Donnelly here with Coach Pete of Capital Financial Advisory Group. Coach, is it still true that a million is enough to retire on? Tim, maybe and maybe not. The most important thing is to get a real plan that gives you income you never outlive. We'll give that away to the next 10 people. Call right now. The number to call, 800-691-3215. Text TIM to 600-700 if you're interested in texting. Once again, that phone number is 800-691-3215 or text TIM to 600-700 for that deal. Chris Paul. 
from Winston-Salem. Speaking of Wake Forest. Yeah. <laughs> so he took a detour down Meat Alley, and we're going to come <laughs> back uh, to, to uh, Wake Forest and Chris Paul. Uh, Chris Paul from the Phoenix Suns, not of the Phoenix Suns anymore. He was traded last night. Um, in a in a swap with the Washington Wizards, the Wizards. I'm sorry, the the, the Suns now get Bradley Beal. Yep. we'll talk about that uh, really soon. Mm-hmm. But interesting for Chris Paul is that he uh, of his 30 million dollar contract for this year, he is uh, guaranteed 15 million. If he does not make it to June 28th, if he does make it to June 28th, I should say, then he'll be guaranteed a full 30 million for this upcoming season. So there's a lot of things that could possibly happen. He could get traded again, which this trade has not officially been uh, all the way gone through. Yeah, hasn't officially been finalized yet. Um, but it could uh, another team could be pulled in, or they could finalize the trade, and then uh, maybe a buyout situation mm-hmm. could be uh, could be done with him and the Washington Wizards, and then he's free to sign wherever he wants to go. Uh, a lot of different things could possibly happen with Chris Paul. But Dennis, on the other end, mm-hmm. spending money. Boy, the, wide, nice. the the Phoenix Suns are just absolutely blowing through the cap right now. Yeah, they don't care about it. Now, here's something as well that we might see from Phoenix. I don't think if, if this deal does get finalized, I don't think they're done making moves. Because how do you expect to go from six guys just on your roster? You're already spending $172 million between Beal, Kevin Durant, DeAndre Ayton, and Devin Booker. You can't keep all four of those guys. No, well, they can. It'll just be expensive. Well, it just well, yeah, but you'll supplement your roster with a bunch of scrubs. So part of the reason to get this done now. Instead yeah. of waiting is because if you can get it done now before uh, July 1st, mm-hmm. that's when the new CBA kicks in. Yes. That new CBA, collective bargaining agreement for the NBA, will greatly um, hinder teams from doing things like this and having four max players on your roster. And it'll also uh, give there's a lot of a lot of taps on the back of your hand. Like, uh-uh, you can't do that. You can't yeah. sign this mid-level guy. You can't have this, you know, draft pick or whatever. That A lot of that's going to kick in uh, on July 1st. Right now, that's not kicked in. So, Kevin Durant, he's going to be owed $46 million this upcoming season. That's a lot of money. Devin Booker is going to be owed $36 million this upcoming season. That's a lot of money. DeAndre Ayton is going to be owed $32 million this upcoming season. That's a lot of money. And Bradley Bill is going to be owed forty-six million dollars this upcoming season all of that put together is 161 million dollars between those four players the nba salary cap is 134 okay and they only have one other player currently signed which is cameron Payne. they still have to sign 10 more players yeah they have to sign 10 more guys or at least nine well this is something that ties into to actually kind of get things here locally actually beyond chris paul Part of that trade actually was this is where the new CBA impacts guys that we're going to see drafted in the second round, which we might see a few of those guys locally here this week. The NBA draft is this coming Thursday. So part of that deal where the Phoenix Suns are sending Chris Paul over to the Washington Wizards, apparently there's like a bevy of second round picks also going in. Yes. Which ones, what years, all that kind of stuff, all that stuff's being finalized. And if a third team comes in, I'm sure more picks are going to get moved. But because of the CBA that you had mentioned, with the luxury tax increase for going over the salary cap, teams that have 
high-priced veteran players like the Phoenix Suns. Again, I still think they're going to move one of them. When you have high-priced players, you have to still supplement the rest of your roster. It's it's be a lot harder to get mid-level exceptions right. and veteran minimums and right. all that kind of stuff. Well, how are you going to supplement your roster? Second-round picks. Less guaranteed money, or none, really, and for that matter, but less less value contracts in terms of dollar amount. Right. Plus, you have their rights for several years. So this is where you're going to start seeing teams really actually value second-round picks because if you can't go into the draft and get a rotational point guard like a Turquavian Smith from NC State. Yes. Like, this, like for example, the Charlotte Hornets have three second-round picks this year. That could be used as assets if they want to – and they also have pick number 27. If they want to move up in the draft mm-hmm. – you could package one or two of those second-round picks and pick 27 to move up because teams need those. This is where a guy like Traquavion Smith, if he gets drafted in the second round where a lot of people are projecting, is that he can not only get a chance to have be – this is actually the thing. He get a chance to actually be on a roster that needs to fill the space, but also you get might actually have a better chance for playing time early in your career. Now, you might have to go down into the G League, the uh, the – basically like the equivalent of the AHL or AAA, right. and develop a little bit. But if there are injuries that happen, you're on that roster. You're going to have a much better opportunity to play now as a second-round pick than probably years past. Kevin Durant has had in- injury issues yep. recently. Uh, Bradley Bill hasn't played more than 60 games in the last four years, yeah. in each of those last four years. Uh, DeAndre Ayton gets nicked up every little bit, but he's not, I wouldn't say, a chronically injured player. Devin Booker has had his share of small injuries here and there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if you're if you're somebody like a Terquavion Smith and you can get, end up on that roster, then, yeah, uh, you know, if everybody's healthy, you're not getting any shots. But if somebody is not healthy, you're probably getting some shots, and, and there's a chance that that may happen. But I wanted to add in this, though. You said that there's a chance that Phoenix is not done. Well, another part of this trade that was just added in mm-hmm. just a couple of hours ago is that the Washington Wizards are sending Isaiah Todd, yeah. who's a six foot ten center, um, to Phoenix along with that. So there's a thought. DeAndre Ayton hasn't been very happy with the organization, and he feels like he doesn't get as enough touches as it is. Adding in Bradley, Bradley Bill, you're not going to get touches. Why is that important? Well, we want to bring up uh, Isaiah Todd, who's been somebody who's been basically in the G League uh, for the Washington Wizards, developing, as you just talked about, for the last few years. Somebody who played high school basketball right here in Raleigh at word of God. Yeah. And now, if, and we're just saying if, we don't have any information, no inside information or whatever, but if you're the Phoenix Suns and you're this far over the cap, Already with just these four players, mm-hmm. if you decide to get rid of DeAndre Ayton later for picks, yeah, as we said, they need some picks. Um, maybe somebody like Isaiah Todd, who was just added to this deal, could help you out in filling in that center position that DeAndre Ayton wouldn't have if they're going to end up dealing him somewhere else. So yeah, there's a lot of local ties and stuff actually part of this deal. Beyond, oh, yeah. again, Chris Paul just being from the state of North Carolina. Isaiah Todd, like you mentioned, played at Word, Word of God. God. I think mm-hmm. he actually even spent a year maybe at Trinity Academy as well. Uh, right here in Raleigh. So, again, there's the local connection when it comes to that. But speaking of local players, NBA draft, how I mentioned Traquavion Smith, again, especially with these veteran teams, the load management, the guys that still only play 65 games or whatever it is, uh, you know, there's going to be chances for playing time uh, mm-hmm. for some of these guys that are second-round picks. Again, the way the CBA is working forward, we might see a local player, Derek Whitehead, because of the foot injury and everything that he had suffered before this past season with Duke, 
had the surgery before the season, played throughout much of the season, missed a few games here and there, but had to have a second surgery just earlier this month to clean things up yeah. uh, regarding the foot. He apparently, according to some projections, might slide into the second round. Yeah. Which for a lot of teams, they might sit there and say, wait, that's a prototypical NBA body that we want. Again, questions on how you evaluate him, how he was in high school, different how he was at Duke his freshman year. But teams might sit there and say, wait, I we, we could maybe even move up early in the second round to take a guy like Dariq Whitehead. Yeah. and Or trade the, for his rights afterwards. One of the interesting things about him is that if you look at his tape, who Dariq Whitehead was in his one year at Duke, it's a completely different Dariq Whitehead than mm-hmm. what he was in his uh, senior year in high school. Uh, Chris Spatola, ESPN uh, college basketball analyst, spoke to me uh, about Derek Whitehead and how NBA teams will need to evaluate him long term. Yeah, it's an interesting question. You know, I, I think what the way that Derek Whitehead translates and the way that Derek Whitehead will ultimately have to be used, I, I think a very good comp or translation w- would be some of these guys that were playing for the Heat or are playing for the Heat. In terms of, you know, the Caleb Martins, the Gabe Vincents, like these three and D guys that have become very in vogue in the NBA. The problem is when you look at a lot of those guys now, Chris, they are older dudes. And I think maturity helps a player embrace some of the things that Dariq Whitehead is going to have to be good at. He's going to have to spend a lot of time in the gym again, mm-hmm. working and drilling his perimeter shot. He's going to have to become much more efficient with the ball. There were times this year at Duke when he caught the ball and he put it on the floor There was a lot of dribbling to get to what he needed to do. You're not going to be able to do that at the NBA level. So one of the things for Dariq Whitehead that some Mm -hmm. people are kind of concerned about, right? And we talk about the difference in style and play. When he came into Duke, um, he was known as that slasher. He was 200 pounds, six foot six, uh, grew to be six foot seven, um, and super athletic. uh, Was going to be one of those guys that played above the rim. Has the foot injury before the season starts. Yeah. Gains 20 pounds, mm-hmm. played at Duke at 220 pounds. Didn't look as fast, didn't look like somebody who could blow by you. Um, was sometimes uh, a liability on defense, which is why he didn't play a lot of those ending stretches of games. You'd see him playing in the middle of the game, but then that last five minutes when John Shire would, would tighten up his bench, you didn't see Dariq Whitehead a lot of times at the end of games. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of teams are what they have to look at, and maybe what they're wondering is, because of some of the weight gain, which people will gain weight over over time anyway. Yeah. But some of the weight gain right now, does it is it suitable for his body? Now we're not saying Dariq Whitehead is out of shape. No, whatsoever. no, this is not we're Zion not weight that. that we're this talking about. This is not Zion here. weight, but this is something <laughs> that is actually dude was like built muscularly, built muscularly. But this is something that's legit been brought up mm-hmm. in, in certain articles. If uh, if teams will decide not to get him, maybe at twenty, like let's say the the Charlotte Hornets, maybe they feel like they have a better somebody that they can get better at 27 mm-hmm. and see if he's still around at 34 and then potentially get him. That might be something that teams are thinking about. Okay, so here's the thing with the weight. Um, again, this is not like extra Zion weight. We're right. like, oh, this, this is, dude looks big. This is definitely uh, not the no, Zion this is like comparison. This is muscular. Okay, so again, this guy's still aging. He went, went from you know 18 to 19 years old. Naturally, as your body physically develops, you might add on more muscle, which is fine. Yep. But if I'm an NBA team and I look at him and go like, okay, well, this is like, he's in shape. He's just a little bit bulky. Okay, we can slim him down a little bit. We can yes. get him to like a, a a playing weight that best suits his body. 
whether that's 205, maybe back down to 200. I mean, you want to have a little bit of extra weight because you don't get pushed around by guys. Okay, if you get him down to 210, isn't that your job as an organization? Like, why are you looking at his weight right now? Again, he's not fat and out of shape. No, this dude's built muscular. Dude's cut. You see him like, you're like, dude, that's an NBA body. It's like, okay, isn't it your job to be like, hey, you know what? For you to be a best, most effective player, we think you need to get down to about 208. So isn't that your job but as this, an organization? Like you're, it, like it's to me that's easily fixable. But this in is my where opinion. we are in the draft, though. Like you know those it's those so last couple dumb. weeks heading into the draft, and now we're like three days before the draft. You're nitpicking everything because yeah. you want to make sure you get your picks right. Chris Patola also spoke about the questions regarding Derek Whitehead playing in the NBA. Does he understand? You know, in terms of his IQ, he's not a great passer. At least we didn't see that. Is that something that he will be able to do? Is he a guy that's comfortable? Being a, a corner three guy who ultimately maybe develops into, into other stuff. Um, but th- there's just a lot of stuff that I think you, you're going to ask or want Dariq Whitehead to do that I think he's still too young to, to, to fully embrace, to fully work at. And then ultimately, um, you don't know if he could ever get there just based off his, his body of work or his incomplete body of work at Duke. I think he can get there because I think in, in the last two years, and, and again, I think Derek Whitehead's going to be a fine player, right? Oh, yeah. Like, I, don't, I don't know if he's going to be an NBA superstar, but he's going to be a fine player. But the last two years, he showed you he could be uh, a slasher. And then he did get injured. And here's the good thing about the injury. Mm-hmm. He changed his game yeah. because of it. And he became Duke's best shooter. Nobody saw that coming. No. There's, there's at least – Three other players, four other players you can name before him that you would have thought would have been a better three-point shooter than him. Yeah, Kyle Filipowski being one of them. Jeremy Roach becoming one of them. Jaden Shute, one of them. You know what I'm saying? Maybe even Tyrese Proctor. Mm-hmm. But it was Dariq Whitehead who ended up being the best shooter. So if I'm an NBA team, I can look at it and exactly what you just said, Dennis. Yeah, we can get him into shape. Maybe put him down to the G League. He's shown he has this shot. Let's work on him getting have a, having a consistent shot. And if you can get your fast twitch to come back right, and become that slasher as well, oh, my God, we have a player on our hands. Well, we'll see potentially on draft day if he gets picked by a team and then gets traded somewhere else because that seems to happen on draft day in the NBA all the time. It's <laughs> yeah, like you true. see guys sometimes get flipped three or four times on draft Kobe day. Kobe Bryant was drafted by the Charlotte Hornets. That's right. Never forget. Never forget. And I'm still weeping over it. As you should be. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.